I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. You say, Pastor, you read that last week, and I'm going to read that for the next six weeks. So just prepare yourself as we walk through this series on spiritual warfare. What does it look like for us as followers of Jesus to put on the full armor of God, that we would be able to stand firm in the truth of what God is doing both in our lives and around us because the enemy is attacking every single day. As we look this morning, I want to ask you this question as we prepare to walk through, focusing on verse 14, the first part this morning, the belt of truth. Have you ever been in a situation where someone did not tell the truth and it negatively impacted you in some way? You'd be thinking about that kind of in your mind at this moment. I remember for us, we were visiting family. We were heading to my parents for Thanksgiving, driving down I-75, which is always a torturous trip. It doesn't matter what time of day it is, but we're, we're heading I-75, and all of a sudden, we crest the hill, and on in the middle of the road in our lane is a toolbox that has fallen off the back of some vehicle. And in my mind, I'm thinking, this is not going to end well. And so I slammed on brakes as quickly as I could. I swerved off the road. I missed the car that was in front of us that was also slamming on brakes. However, the car behind me, a beautiful brand new BMW, hit the back of our car. And there was a four-car pileup off I-75. And so we wait for about an hour and 30 minutes until the state trooper finally arrives, and he shows up and he says, what happened? So I'm the front car, and I'm thinking, I'm going to let you know what happened. I didn't do anything wrong, right? So there's a toolbox, I swerved, I got, and he said, so the car behind you hit you? And I said, yes, sir, it did. So he went to the lady that was behind us that hit us. He said, what, what happened? And she said, well, they slammed on brakes. I hit them, but I only hit them because the car behind me hit me and pushed me into them, which I don't think is true, but that's no big deal, right? So then you work your way back in the, fork of the very last vehicle. The guy told the state trooper, he said, listen, here's what happened. There was a car that hit me and push me into the car in front of me and into the car in front of it into our vehicle. And in my mind, I'm thinking, that's probably not the way that happened. I said, well, let's go look at the back. The trooper's telling me, well, you know, we're, we're not writing any tickets. Everyone's insurance will just pay for your own. I thought, no, sir, that's not going to happen here. And so he goes back and we look at the car, the last car, and I'm thinking, there is zero damage on the back of this vehicle, none whatsoever. Mr. State Trooper, I know you do this for a living. How in the world could that vehicle that supposedly hit this car have pushed the cars all up and hit my car without there being any damage on the back end of their car? He said, that's a great question. 
but it doesn't matter. I said, oh, no, it matters. He said, it doesn't matter at all because that guy said that there was another vehicle which was written on the accident report, phantom vehicle, that hit his vehicle and pushed him all the way in to your vehicle. Therefore, state trooper says, you're responsible for your own vehicle. So after a $500 insurance deductible, our vehicle ended up getting fixed. And I thought in that moment, why did that guy not tell the truth? You know, truth matters. Especially for us as followers of Jesus, the truth matters. And as we engage in the spiritual battle in which we are fighting day in and day out, the truth matters. In fact, that's going to be the focus of our time together this morning as we zero in on the first part of verse 14. But I want to read all of the text for us again to reorient our minds as we think about what it means for us to be fighting this spiritual battle. And as we fight this spiritual battle, how do we stand firm with the full armor of God? Listen to Paul's words, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As we look at the text this morning, and specifically as we focus in on the first part there of verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. This is the main idea that I encourage you to write down. It'll frame our time together as we unpack this this morning. It's this, truth 
is the antidote for the lies of the enemy. Truth is the antidote for the lies of the enemy. In fact, last week we were introduced to the enemy that we are battling against. Satan and the principalities, the powers of darkness in this world, those are our enemies. And I want you to know that Scripture is very clear how Satan goes about attacking believers. In fact, it's a very fascinating thing. You may want to write down John chapter 8, verses 31 through verse 47. Take some time this week to walk through that in your personal time with the Lord. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 47. But the tenor of this conversation that Jesus is having with the Jews is that they would abide in his word that they would know the truth, and you've heard this before, and the truth will set you free. Following that, the Jews said to Jesus, well, we have Abraham as our father, as if that was the trump card in all of the conversation that Jesus was having with them. And yet I want you to know that Jesus responds to them and says, no, you don't have Abraham as your father. In fact, the devil is your father. Satan is your father. And this is what he says to them. In verse 44 of John chapter 8, I want you to hear this. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, listen, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character, listen, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Why is the truth so important? Because our enemy, as Paul has reminded us, is the father of lies. Every attack from Satan in the life of a believer will begin at the level of truth or a lie. And at every single point, If we hope to withstand Satan's attacks, we desperately need the truth, which is exactly why Paul, at the beginning of describing the armor of God, is going to call our attention to the belt of truth. So what I want to do over the next moments that we have together is I want to ask four questions as we think about putting on the belt of truth as a follower of Jesus. And as we walk through each part of the armor in the weeks of the head, these are going to be the same questions that we're going to ask similarly as we walk through that. So here's question number one. What was the purpose of the Roman soldier's belt? 
In fact, there should be, I hope, coming up on the screen right now, a a reproduction copy of what the belt would have looked like for a Roman soldier. It would have started out simply with a leather belt that was thick, that was used for very specific reasons, and then the soldiers, who didn't really have a whole lot of disposable income, but the income that they did have and oftentimes they would use would be to adorn this belt. Because as you think about being engaged in battle, you look and realize that a leather belt, if you could put some type of metal over the top of it, is actually going to help you even more so. And so they would adorn their belts with that. Sometimes they would even, as they were engaging in battle, they would take the spoils of the battle and they would use those things to to adorn their belts with. It was a status symbol for them in some respects. But there's some very key things that the belt served to do for the Roman soldier. And for us to understand, why is Paul calling our attention to this? And why does he connect it with truth? We need to understand how the belt was used. Now, as Paul is writing the book of Ephesians, this letter to this church in Ephesus, very likely he was imprisoned in Rome and he would have watched the Roman soldiers come in and come out of his place of confinement. And so I can just imagine through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he is sitting in prison, as he's waiting to figure out what is his life going to look like, he's watching these soldiers come in and come out. And he knows for his audience, they would have known the attire of a soldier. They would have known what a Roman soldier wore. And so I think it's not by accident that the Lord, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, says to Paul, hey, here is how believers must defend themselves in the battle in which they are engaged. Here is the armor that they need to withstand the attack of the enemy. They need a belt, just like the Roman soldier's belt. But it's a belt of truth. In fact, the belt served three primary functions for the soldier. First, it served as support. I know you look at me and you probably think, first and foremost, that guy lifts weights. I'm sure that's probably what comes to your mind. But one of the things that, that I've realized, the older that I've gotten is that if I'm going to lift weights of any heaviness, I need to make sure I'm wearing some type of belt lifting weights. Because I saw this this past week, it it spoke to me and it reminded me of the reality. I turned 40 at the end of March, and this is what was said, in your 20s, your comment is, I won't get hurt doing anything. In your 30s, your comment is, I can get hurt doing anything. And in your 40s and beyond, I can get hurt doing nothing, right? But one of the things that the belt did was provide support. It protected the soldiers back. And in fact, the Roman soldiers were excellent at utilizing their leg strength and their hip strength engaged in battle. And so this belt provided support for their back as they were engaged in battle. They would also carry a lot of armor, and that armor would have weighed a ton. And so this support would have protected their back as they were engaged 
in battle. Not only did it offer support, though, it also offered protection. In fact, as you looked at the picture earlier, what's fascinating about that is that if you notice, there were, there were some long strips of leather strategically placed in a certain area for the soldier. You with me? I don't have to go any deeper, right? Okay. But it was for protection. Because here's the thing. One of the things my dad told me, the older I got as a teenager, he would say this to me. We would wrestle at times. We would, we'd have a good time. And, and there were things that he would say like, I just want you to know, if I have to, I will cheat to beat you. I'll do it. You will not get me. That was a conversation that, that we had often. But I want you to know that the enemies of these Roman soldiers would seek to attack them and to inflict what we would call a low blow, a blow beneath the belt. And so as you think about this belt, it did serve in some measure as protection, to protect against the low blows of the enemy. And then the third is that it functioned as an anchor. It was the anchor point for the rest of the armor that they were wearing. For the breastplate, for the sheath, for the sword that they would have carried. And for them, they often wore what we would think of as as a dress, but it was a tunic. And so when they were engaged in battle, they would reach down and they would gather up the tunic and they would tuck it in their belt so that they could engage in battle. And so the three purposes of this armor, support, protection, and anchor, that's what the belt served as for the Roman soldier. So that's question number one, just for background so that you understand. Here's question number two, the second word that we look at. What is truth? Because as Paul identifies it, it is the belt of what, church? Truth. Well, what is truth? Well, truth at its very base level definition, it's funny when you look at definitions, you're not supposed to use the word in the definition. You ever notice that? They tell you that. What you could look at that and say is that which corresponds to what is true. You're not supposed to use true, right? So that which corresponds to reality. What is real? Well, what is real is what is true around us. And so I want you to notice that we are going to unpack that in such a way so that we understand when we talk about truth, what are we talking about? I think it's most helpful as we think through that to think in two categories. One of those categories is general revelation. And the second one is special revelation. What do we mean by that? Well, when we talk about general revelation, what we're saying is that there are signposts all over creation that point to the reality that there is a God and there is a God who is created and therefore we should worship that God. You say, Pastor, give me the defense of that. I've given you those verses to look at, even chapters. Psalm chapter 19, verse 1 through 14. The psalmist says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork day unto day. It is simply proclaiming that there is a God who is created, and that God deserves to be worshiped. 
In fact, Paul in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18 and walking through verse 25, says that general revelation, that creation is enough to condemn someone to hell. In fact, he says it in such a way that creation, instead of looking around and recognizing that there is a God who deserves to be worshipped, that they exchange, Paul says, the truth about God for a lie and worship creation instead of the creator. So as we think about the world in which we live, as we look around us, as we see people and as we see trees and flowers and animals and as we look up into the night sky, what we should recognize and see that what is being proclaimed is the truth that there is a God who has created all of this and that God deserves to be worshiped. But it's not just general revelation. In fact, as well, we look at special revelation, which is the scriptures that God has graciously given to us where he self-discloses, this is who I am. This is what I am like, and this is my purpose within this world, and that is to rescue sinners from their sin through my son, Jesus Christ, whom I've sent to this earth. And contained within the scriptures, God lays out for us everything that we need for life and for godliness. In fact, as you think through that, you have to recognize and understand that the scriptures speak to every single area of life. There is not an area of life to which the scriptures that we have do not speak. This is our source of truth. If you look at the text there, again, I'd encourage you in your time with the Lord. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus clearly says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. John 17, 17, Jesus prays on behalf of believers that they would be sanctified by truth And he declares that the word of God is truth. In fact, there's a quote from Nancy Piercy in the book Total Truth, which is a phenomenal read, especially in light of the cultural context in which we find ourselves. But she says this, we must begin by being utterly convinced that there is a biblical perspective on everything not just on spiritual matters. So think about that. Within the cultural context in which we find ourselves in, where things are said like this, well, that's my truth. You ever heard that? Or you share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ or what scripture teaches about how human beings can flourish, whether it's in regards to sexuality or marriage or raising kids or whatever it may be. And someone looks at you and says, well, that's nice, but but that's just your truth. I have my truth, but, but you have your truth and they have their truth. And here's the problem. There is what is true. 
absolutely without question. Well, where do we find that truth? We find it in the word of God. We find it in the person of Jesus Christ, which I just want to pause there for a second and remind you that as we engage in this conversation, you may not yet have taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so as we talk about the spiritual battle that is raging, the beginning step for you is to ask the question, what is my relationship to the one who makes this claim, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Have you responded by faith, trusting in him alone for salvation? Here's the third question. Why does Paul use the phrase, belt of truth? So we've seen what the belt does in the Roman soldier's life. We've had a conversation about what truth is. So then let's put these two things together and let's look and ask the question, why does he use those words? Well, there's three reasons connected to the way in which the belt would have been utilized by the Roman soldier. And here's the thing. First, truth provides support. In the same way that the belts provided support for the Roman soldier, I want you to know as a follower of Jesus that you can rest in the truth of what God's word says. You can rest in the truth of how God's word tells you and I that we are to function in this world in which we live. We are able to rest and be supported by truth. Not only that, but truth also provides protection. Truth provides protection in the life of the believer. Why? As I mentioned earlier, those strategically placed straps were there because the enemy was known to attack below the belt. Do not lose sight of the fact that we have an enemy who will attack below the belt. We're going to see that played out here in just a little bit. But for us, we have to recognize that truth provides protection. And then truth provides an anchor. Truth is the anchor point in the life of a follower of Jesus. Warren Wiersbe said it this way, truth is the integrating force in the life of the victorious Christian. So question number four, how do we live it out? Say, pastor, that all sounds great. And I agree with you 1000%. But how do I do it? How do I allow truth to function in that way in my life? How do I allow for it to provide support? And how do I allow it to provide protection? And how do I allow it to provide an anchor for my life? I want you to do me a favor and turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I want us to see played out by the Lord Jesus Christ what it means 
to put on the belt of truth as he is standing against the enemy and his attacks. And to, as we walk through this, ask the question of ourselves, how, not in my own strength and in my own power, but how through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within me, do I follow Jesus' example laid out here and engage in the spiritual battle that I find myself in, putting on the belt of truth? I want you to notice the text should be up on the screen for you as well. Verse 1 of chapter 4, Matthew says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness, listen, to be tempted by the devil. The entire intent of this action is self-disclosed right here so that Jesus would be tempted. It's the reason that the writers in the New Testament point back to this and say that Jesus has been tempted in every way that we have been tempted, but without sin. So how then is he tempted here, and how does he utilize the belt of truth as he's walking through the attack of Satan? In verse 2, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Hello. Right? Some of y'all are hungry right now. And you ate last night. But for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, I want you to notice, if you are the son of God, in fact, this mirrors very much the temptation of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, where if you remember, Satan's question for them is, did God actually say? The question that he asked the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is, if you are the Son of God, if you are. Here's what's fascinating about that. The truth is, Scripture is crystal clear because of an interaction that Jesus had with a man who was demon-possessed, that the demons recognized him. They understood very clearly that he was the Son of God, and they willingly were going to yield to whatever he said to do. But Satan says, if you are the Son of God. He is the Father of lies. His question, his statement, his presumption here is whether or not it is true that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Is that true? We sit back and we go, of course it's true. But notice that that's where the attack begins. Then he says, if you are, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Why was this such an important thing? Because what? Jesus was hungry. So Satan says, hey, listen, I know you're hungry. And if you are the son of God, you should have the power 
to be able to speak to these stones and turn them into bread. Here, all of that is true. Jesus could have spoken to the stones and turned them into loaves of bread and taken a big bite and been satisfied. Notice his response. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just to put a little bit of flavor in this, each time Jesus quotes scripture in Matthew chapter 4 during this temptation, he's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. Most of us can't even spell Deuteronomy. But that's where he's quoting the truth of God and his word. In the midst of the attack, he is visibly, if you think about this, he is putting on the belt of truth in this moment. We see it played out. Which means the same thing holds true for us. As we are attacked by the enemy, you say, how do I engage in this battle? Begin by putting on the belt of truth. Notice in verse 5, the devil took him to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, notice again, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Watch this. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. I don't know if you caught that. Satan quoted scripture to Jesus in the attack. We do not engage with an enemy that we should underestimate. In fact, as you look at this, he's quoting Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. Now, I want you to know that at any point, Satan is going to take whatever God's word says, and he's going to twist it to his own preference and desire. And he does that in these verses here. Notice Jesus' response. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus recognizes from the outset that his enemy is a deceiver. Well, what do we have that is the antidote to lies, to deception? It is truth. And there he quotes, once again, from the book of Deuteronomy, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 8 again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, listen, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Satan says, for a season, I have been allowed by the Father to have reign in this area. 
I'm able to work against the plans and the purposes of God, never lose sight of the fact that he is already a defeated enemy, but he goes kicking and screaming, doing everything that he can. And he says to the Lord Jesus Christ, let's short circuit the plan of the Father. And I'll go ahead and give to you what your heart truly desires, which is to be king. And notice Jesus' response once again with this truth. Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. How do we live this out? We look at the example here of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we engage in the battle that we find ourselves in, day in and day out, we must put on the belt of truth because truth is the antidote for the lies of the enemy. Would you bow your head with me this morning? As our worship team makes their way back up, you may be here today and for you, you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. And you've heard once again this morning that salvation is only possible through him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman comes to the Father except through him. And this is an opportunity for you to surrender right now, trusting in him alone for salvation. That's a step that you need to take. We would love to help you take that step. As we sing, our pastors are down front. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you, answer questions for you. But maybe as you sit here, you are already a follower of Jesus. And you've been reminded of how important truth is in your life. And maybe you're engaged right now in a spiritual battle. It is waging around you in your marriage, in your parenting, in your workplace. And this is an opportunity for you before the Lord to put on the belt of truth. To lean into the truth of what God's word says, the truth about who he is and the purpose for which he created us and his plan for human flourishing in all areas of our life. Every area is an area of truth from God. This is an opportunity for you to put on the belt of truth today. Father, we ask that you would work in our hearts and our lives, challenge us, encourage us, equip us as followers of Jesus for the battle. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you stand as we sing? Our altar's open. You come as the Lord leads.